Did some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, and I'm Sean McCraney, your host. This is where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. If you have family or friends who can't watch the show live, you can give them a call. Tell them to go to www.hotm.tv, and they can see all the shows there live if they want. Really a quick rundown on the websites. We're trying to educate you and to keep you informed. We have hotm.tv, and there you can learn about the show and watch streaming video, watch past shows, 126 past shows, get event information. We also have bornagainmormon.com. There you can learn about what Born Again Mormon is all about, our faith and our purpose, and about Aletheia ministry. And then we have lordsword.org, and that gives you the service times, directions, special events, and sermon audio that's coming up. So if you're interested in knowing about that, that would be great. Important events coming up. First, on July 12th, we're holding our Northern Utah Open Water Summer Baptism. Uh, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be an opportunity for those who want to be associated with Jesus Christ to publicly stand forward and be baptized. It's not a denomination. You're not being baptized into the uh, cult of Sean McCraney or into the uh, church that we do. It's just going to be your public profession. And some people like to do that. There are people who like to be autonomous, but they want to profess through baptism their faith in Jesus Christ. Go to www.hotm.tv for more information or bornagainmormon.com, either one. Then on the following Monday, July 14th, here at our studios from 9 in the morning till 6 p.m., we're going to be doing interviews here on the set with people who have come out of Mormonism and come to know the Lord. Uh, and we invite all of you to please take that time, July 14th, any time during the day between 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. to come down. And we'll sit, we'll talk, we'll hear your testimony. If you need to be um, uh, camouflaged or incognito, we can do that with the cameras too. Your story can mean the difference in a generation of uh, being trapped within a religious institution. Hey, quite often we get people writing who have absolutely no belief that the Bible is the word of God. A longtime supporter and friend of ours, RJR, suggested getting James McDonald's book, or not book, CD series called God Wrote a Book. So before you reject it, inspect it. Go to Google, search God wrote a book. I, I lost the information, but go to Google, do a, do a search on God wrote a book by James McDonald, and it's a CD series that will help you understand exactly how important and how marvelous the Bible is. It seems like the LDS Manti pageant is underway and has become host as usual to a number of evangelical uh, outreach uh, efforts. 
And um, LDS, why do you think these evangelicals come from all over to go down to where you're gathered to do this? Do you think it's because they, they hate you? What, what would make them hate you so much to come? Or do you think they love you? Is the message they're sharing with you, join this vicious cult? Or is the message they're trying to share with you, come to know Jesus? And interesting, this is kind of uh, funny. Someone forwarded this clip to us. And what these guys did is they got women who were close to the age and uh, description of Joseph Smith's wives to dress up like, like they would then and to put placards on their chest, hung around their neck, that would give you their name, the age they were, and something about them. And then they walk through Manti, and I guess the LDS were just shocked. People were saying, we thought he was only married to Emma. And so they didn't know that secretly he had been sealed to so many others. And so let's show a clip and just see what the impact has on you as you watch them go by. guy at the end was not one of them, by the way, who was kind of following along. Uh, you know, would you ever today follow a man who walked through the community followed by a trail of 33 known women that were his wives? Would you ever follow that guy and believe these doctrines that are not in the Bible? You would never do it, but you do it now. You sing praise to the man. And that right there, we had some evidence of what he was like way back in the 1830s and 40s. Uh, 1840s, 45. Okay, how's Project Abandoned Ship coming? If you have left Mormonism behind, take action now and send a message to Salt Lake City headquarters. We're not going to take it anymore. Remove your name. Go to utlm.org, mormonnomore.org, or bornagainmormon.com for instructions on how to send a message loud and clear. There are so many people who are stuck in limbo relative to being totally inactive and at the same time being a member you know, if you ask them, are you LDS? Well, and there's this pause. It happens all the time up here when I'm in the community, and there's this pause. So, uh, arise, you have nothing to lose but your chains, said Dorothea Barabua at the Spanish um, uh, insurrection, and that's the same with you. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Send a message loud and clear. Say, I want my name off the records of this church, because it will free you up to then make progress in your relationship, relationship with Jesus Christ. We requested a prayer last week for a young woman who came to the set and watched our show a couple of times who was lost in Alaska for five days. They found her. Praise God. So I just wanted to give you an update on that. I had a very nice dinner meeting with an LDS man last night who I'm going to call Jeff. We discussed many commonalities that are shared between Mormonism and Christianity, and there are a number of them. Jeff has seen the show a number of times but was confused about my saying that our ministry is not to LDS stalwart believers but to the lost and disaffected LDS. He interpreted this to mean that I don't care about the stalwarts or that they are undeserving of our message and ministry or that I was inferring that they are just too dumb to accept it. 
This is not what I mean, and I'm sorry if my personality presents such a position. But the point is very important to understand, and try to hear me clearly. Mormonism as it stands today offers nothing but rejection and alienation to those individuals who cannot accept it, cannot believe it, cannot live it. No matter what we say or think, the question remains, what does Mormonism today do with the sinful people? What does it do with their, their very different people, their artistically inclined people, their intellectuals, their gangbangers, if there are such a thing, who have never fit into the present-day Mormonism mold? What do you do with them? On the one hand, they teach and demand that they are the only true church and they possess the only way that someone can live with God while totally ignoring the fact, the human reality, that there are people out there who are baptized LDS, who want to know the truth, who follow, want to follow Jesus, who want to honor God with their lives, but who are rejected by the church that they were taught is the only true church on earth. It creates such difficulty in their lives. Where does Mormonism lead these people who are Mormon by birth, taught by birth, or by missionary conversion, who do not buy into it? It leaves them on the roadside for dead. A few months ago, I received a very sweet request to officiate and perform a wedding in Boise this uh, past week. I was picked up at the Boise airport by Denise Johnston and Michael Davis and their four-year-old son, Aaron, last Thursday morning. We drove to an old Taco Bell restaurant that was converted into a Chinese takeout to sit down and talk. I had never met them before. Denise shared with me that when she was just eight years of age, she told her very strong LDS parents and, their, and her siblings that there was something really wrong with this church we go to. By the time she was 11, she knew that she not only didn't believe it, but she also realized that they, everybody there treated her very, very differently because she is, by nature, different. Denise was, by birth, the black sheep in this LDS family. But her resistance to Mormonism led not to more love from them, but to more rejection on their part. And you know, it has to because the doctrine creates this type of response inside people who follow it. The doctrine teaches you you have to do these things and obey and accept what they say in order to be worthy. Therefore, if that is what the doctrine is, you will look at anybody who is not like you and you'll say, you are unworthy. You're not one of us. You're not worthy to be with us. She and her mother were in constant battle and Denise's struggle for emotional and spiritual survival turned to destructive behaviors. She left home as a late teen, traveled the highways and byways of life. She was a wanderer who turned to the things of this world to fill the gap where Jesus could have been had she been taught about him instead of about Joseph and Moroni and temple baptisms for the dead. Years later, a young man one day named Michael stepped into her life when he burst into the room she was at looking for a shot of wild turkey. Michael was a musician, a free spirit, a kind soul. They began to live together in trailers and buses and vans, traveling and seeking life and truth. Denise hated religion. She hated anything that smacked of man-made control. 
Michael, however, picked up this book called the Bible, and he started reading it. He shared his thoughts about God and Jesus with Denise, who naturally was very resistant. But in time, she too came to see God more and more in her life. Four years ago, they had a beautiful son named Aaron. Together, they were being drawn in by God closer and closer into his light. After watching a number of Heart of the Matter programs, Denise wrote me and asked if I would marry her and Michael. I said I would. As we sat at the restaurant, I asked Denise and Michael that why now, after seven years to the day that they had met, did they want to get married? Their faces beamed, Michael smiled, a broad smile, Denise's eyes widened, happiness was on their face. We want to live in the light of God, Denise said. Michael said, Jesus is my inner consciousness. This is radical stuff for people who cut their teeth on the streets of this world to be sane. I officiated over the marriage of De uh, Denise and Michael in their backyard that day. Aaron was their ring bearer. Four guests, more genuine souls, sat in plastic chairs and observed the ceremony. The following day, Michael, Denise, and Aaron came to the Shiloh Inn swimming pool and were baptized because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and their desire to make him the Lord of their lives. The heavens rejoiced. I received this email when I got back from Denise. After you baptized my family and I, I have never felt so light and free and full of spirit. I am still glowing and I feel like an entirely new creature. We are always taking steps toward being closer to our Lord and Creator, but that was one big giant step. After we came home, Aaron was reading the New Testament while holding it upside down. He said as if he were reading out loud, one day God was making us and Jesus made us and God made us and we were in the water with Sean. Amen. It was beautiful. She continues on to talk a little bit more about the wedding. These are people who truly love each other, who truly love life, and who truly love and have found the Lord Jesus Christ. People like Michael and Denise and Aaron are why we do what we do. We want to help others who have been cast out to know the most radical, loving, open, caring, giving, forgiving being to have ever walked this earth, Jesus. With that, let's have a prayer. Dear God, we love you and thank you. And we pray that you will reach out into the hearts of those who have been cast aside for dead. We pray your spirit will touch them to come, come to you, to find you, to seek, to have their eyes open, Lord. We pray for our volunteers. We pray for the staff, our studio audience. We pray for the people at home, wherever they may be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're moving along through the 17 points of the true church tonight, and we come to point number eight, which the LDS used to claim as being God's only true church. It reads, quote, the true church must bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. They must bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. Let's examine this for a minute. In Acts 8, 17, the apostles laid their hands on people and they received the Holy Ghost. It was a common custom to lay hands on people for a variety of reasons. Blessings, healings, comforting, 
and in this case, to give the Holy Ghost. This was possibly was the result of the Hebrew tradition where once a year they would get a, two goats, sacrifice one, and the other one would be a scapegoat. And the person would, who had sin would put their hand on the scapegoat's head and transfer, so to speak, their sin to this goat, and it was let to go out into the wilderness and never to be found again. There's nothing wrong with the laying on of hands as a biblical practice. But in order re to receive the Holy Spirit, the laying on of hands occurs only three times in the New Testament to receive the Holy Spirit. Yet the Holy Spirit came upon many other people in many other ways, which the LDS missionaries and people who support these things never mention to you. You see, organizations have always sought to have the ownership of things, to bottle it up, to label it, and become its sole distributor. Disney spends a lot of money packaging products, proprietary products. That's where the money is, and religion is no different. Whatever they can brand as their own exclusively, then, uh, the more they can use it exclusively to lure seeking people who will want this thing in their life. Brand naming, brand, brand naming the Holy Spirit of God is one of the greatest coups on earth. It stands to reason, therefore, that if you believe that the only way you can receive the Holy Spirit is by getting it through the laying on of hands by an official Mormon believer, then you will become a Mormon believer in order to obtain this marvelous gift. And it also entitles every believing Latter-day Saint to have the opinion that only Mormons have the gift of this Holy Spirit. Therefore, only Mormons can discern truth from error according to what God says. But the Bible gives us numerous examples of where the Holy Spirit fell upon people without the laying on of hands. Look at uh, Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. It says, uh, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one, ac one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus said in John 3 8, describing the Holy Spirit, The wind blows where it wants, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but can't tell where it came from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Isn't that liberating? Doesn't that fit the way God works in these ways that you as a man or a woman are not going to be able to dictate and decide? Jesus says the Spirit comes. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. It does what it's going to do, and it's out of the control of men and their uh, perfunctory rites and rituals that they try to bottle up and use in order to keep people in control. Nothing wrong with the laying hands on people as a show of unity or personal touch. And the apostles of the Lord may have been led on that occasion, there's two other occasions they mention, to place their hands on certain people to initiate the Spirit, but it is not a mandatory ritual like the LDS claim it is. When Peter was speaking to Cornelius and his Gentile family, meaning they were not Jews, it says in Acts 10.44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came to Peter, because that on the, that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
So we have a Gentile family there being taught by Peter, and suddenly the Holy Ghost falls upon them, and the Jews there were astonished that the Holy Ghost could fall on these unreligious people, these Gentiles. It was a miraculous event. No laying on of hands there. Again, the gift of the Holy Ghost with, came without the laying on of hands to Gentiles, those outside even of the religious authority of the day. The Holy Spirit comes like the wind. At rebirth, it fills us, and it resides in us. The Lord Jesus promised that he would never leave us. He would never leave you. But this is not what the LDS teaching is. The LDS view holds that a child becomes capable of sin when the Holy Ghost or the gift of the Holy Ghost is given to him or her at eight years of age. But the Christian view is that we are cleansed from sin when the Holy, gift of the Holy Ghost comes upon us. Do you see the difference between that? To the Christian, the arrival of the Holy Spirit is an indication of salvation, of spiritual rebirth, of being cleansed, and of obtaining new life in Christ. But to the LDS, it truly manifests itself as an event of self-condemnation because now you are accountable, and when you do something wrong, guess what the Holy Ghost can do in the LDS church? It leaves you. Jesus said, I will never leave you, but the LDS believe it is very, very conditional. It's like a fine-tuned knob, and you do one little thing wrong, the tuning goes down. You do a big thing wrong, it gets shut off, you know, and there's this constant worry and constant wondering what state you're in, like the girl the other week who wanted a report card from God to see exactly what her state was. Think about this. It's the perfect example of an extreme difference between Mormonism and Christianity. For the Mormons believe that the Holy Spirit comes and goes based on a person's worthiness, but Christians, having experienced new life, have spiritual security only found in Christ. They don't have to worry. They have peace. They have hope and trust. Romans 8, 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, it is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that makes a person Christ's. And Christ said, If this will not leave you. Where Mormonism teaches that the Holy Spirit comes and goes based on the righteous state of the individual, Christianity teaches that the Holy Spirit comes and stays based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I hope the subtlety can be understood here because it means all the difference between a life of peace in him and a life of turmoil of the self. In a life of actions wrought by gratitude and joy or a life burdened with fear of failure. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. As the operators are clearing the calls, let's turn to some emails. This was read in many uh, LDS ward houses uh, within the past month. Dear brethren and sisters, we are encouraged by the number of church members who are actively studying the, reveal the revealed word of God. Uh, we note with appreciation that many are also bringing their scriptures to church meetings and using them as the basis for speaking and teaching. In order to maintain an atmosphere of reverent worship in our sacrament and state conference meetings, when speakers use scriptures as part of their talks, they should not ask the congregation to open their own books 
for scriptural reference. That is classic. You gotta be kidding. You know what they are afraid of? Someone references, you know, from Romans one verse, and the person sitting there starts reading and says, Whoa, wow, I don't I don't think that's in context. I don't think that's what it means. So what they tell them, don't open your Bibles. Don't open those scriptures and continue reading. You just sit there and listen to what's being told to you. You know, 1984, Orwellian speak. I'm really on a, on a radical phase today, can you tell? So uh, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, this is from a woman who, write, who wrote, excuse me, my husband, 79 years old, has just had heart bypass surgery twice, Type 2 diabetes, and the list goes on. My husband has just about had it with his LDS church. Last Sunday, he was told, remember, he's 79, just had two heart bypass surgeries, diabetes. It's your turn to clean up the church after the meeting is over. Put up the chairs, pick up the dirty stuff off the floor, empty the garbage cans, go to the restroom, empty the ladies' containers, diapers' containers, clean the rest of the room, clean the floors, take out the garbage, etc., etc., etc. You know why? And Mormons will probably wear this as a badge of honor. They work until they step in the grave. And that shows God that they are, they are worthy. They're worthy to become gods again. You know, and this guy's 79, two heart bypass, diabetes, going, it makes me ill. Where's the rest? You know, ma'am, uh, what's your name? Uh, Ellie, tell your husband to stay home and read the word and pray with you and uh, just blow this stuff off. That hamster wheel will never end. And they will have him doing it at 85 so they can use him as an example of this 85-year-old man is out there doing it who's had two heart bypass surgeries. You teenagers should be able to do it too. Uh, It's just really disturbing. Okay, uh, operator's still working. Let's go to the next one. This is uh, from my friend Kathy, who says that her brother, who is a stalwart Mormon, sent this to her. And uh, she asked for a response. And what it is, it's a story that goes around. And it was supposedly written by Elder Russell M. Nelson, who is one of the 12 apostles. And it's a story about his Egyptian neighbor, Sammy Hanna, who's an academic scholar and who went through and he studied the Book of Mormon and uh, he just read all the things about it and he realized it was truly of ancient origin because he speaks Egyptian and there's so many parallels to it. And this brother of Kathy's, who's LDS, sent all these things that Brother Hanny found and, and it's just amazing that the Book of Mormon is truly true. Well, it's a hoax. Uh, Elder Nelson came out and said, by the way, uh, let's see here on this one. He said, oh, I hope I brought it. That thing's on Janet Reno, Steve Martin, World's, World Trade Center attacks, War in Heaven, Catholic Priest. Oh, Elder Nelson did not write this account according to his office in Salt Lake. However, he did have a neighbor named Sammy Hanna many years ago who was converted to the church after translating the Book of Mormon. So, as with most hoaxes, as with most hyperbole, there are some nuggets of truth built around by a complete lie. You can look at the Book of Mormon the same way. There's nuggets of truth in there built around uh, with the same lie. Uh, 
there is a website that talks about the missionaries being spared in the World Trade Center attacks, a hoax. That the youth were generals in the war in heaven prior to coming to earth, a hoax. That the uh, person who paints the pictures of the Savior has been directed by the prophet as to what he really looks like, a lie and a hoax. The Jaredite barge was found in Lake Michigan, a hoax. The St. Louis Temple appears to be on fire at times, a hoax. The Oklahoma City building miraculously was spared by a tornado, a hoax. Missionaries have been secretly called to China. Entertainer Steve Martin is LDS. A hoax, a hoax, a hoax. From the tree comes the fruit. All right. Um, let me see if I can do one more. Uh, I'm not going to do that one. That one. Well, we'll try them later. All right. Let's go to Bill from Salt Lake City. First time caller on line four. Bill, you're on Heart of the Matter. Bill? Bill's not there. We lost Bill. Camille and Roy. Camille, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. Um, I've actually called in once before. Okay. Um, but I have actually a question for you. I, um, I, when I had called before, I was asking about my faith, and I've, I'm still trying to find it. And I've, I've been looking and doing lots of praying. But I actually have a question. Do you think it's possible that the Lord may not really kind of, in a way, be answering me because I'm being punished? I know that sounds weird, but I'm worried. <laughs> yeah, punished, I don't believe so, no. But I do believe that uh, he knows you better than anybody, and he knows what it's going to take for you to truly come to him. And so he'll have you go through whatever process it takes for you to finally uh, understand and open your eyes and truly believe and be converted. So where some people can say, Jesus, please take over my life, and they have a miraculous experience, other people struggle for a decade trying to find him. Because the Lord, he's working you through his fire to get you ready to be the kind of believer both that you want to be and that he wants you to be. And so this is kind of like faith and trust. It's like Abraham going up to the mountain with his son Isaac. I mean, he's like, well, you know, this is a, this is a trust thing. We're going to keep walking. I don't know what's going on. And so he has you do it. It's not that he's punishing you. It's not that he's a mean God. It's actually that he's a loving God, and he wants to take you and get you at the right place at the right time to smack you, and then you're going to say, wow. So keep going, Camille. Well, because, see, there's, there's been a lot of trials in my life very lately, and I'm, and I'm scared, and, I, and things start going really well, and then all of a sudden they go right down back in the crapper, and that's why I'm worried that maybe I'm being punished for something, and I, and I don't know what it is. Well, I don't think God is punishing uh, you. I think that maybe Satan is turning up the heat and Satan is causing things to go on around you that are making life difficult. God is a God of love and peace and joy and his son reconciled this world to him. And so he acts based off all those great principles and he is not there trying to hurt you. There's a dark side that might be, but don't you just keep praying to the Lord. Say, I trust you, Lord. Lead me, open my eyes, show me truth, and he'll do it. Okay. All right, my sister? All right, thank you so much. You take care. You too. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Mike in Saratoga Springs, first-time caller. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Mike? Yes, hi. Hi. Yes, I, I've been watching your show with a lot of interest, and I find that, you know, I find good in all faith. Uh-huh. And I have, um, for example, I was born a Catholic. I've gone uh, into the different Baptist churches, Church of Christ, Pentecostal. I've studied in college. 
uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and the one thing I found is that there is good in all faith. Sure. That, um, you know, that there is truth in all faith. Sure. And I enjoyed your comments about the Holy Ghost. And I have learned, for example, that, uh, for example, living in Las Vegas, that the um, Holy Ghost will give you an opportunity to make decisions, good and bad. And I have found that no, he, the Holy Ghost may not leave you, but for example, if you go into an unholy place like a casino, the Holy Ghost won't go inside with you. But he's given you the choice. He's talked in your heart to say, you know, to choose. I'll go or I won't go. And I found that going into places like that, he won't go. Well, I think uh, that, Mike, in your case, that maybe that's true. But I don't think that we can box him up. I think he can go into a den of iniquity, the most vile place on earth. And touch people so I'm not sure he's limited to geographical locations based on the environment in fact it seems to me that at many times he shows up in the worst places to pull people out of the worst situations well I gotta agree because I've been pretty low in my life at times and he's never given up yeah he's never quit on me Mike what do you think of Jesus Christ I'm sorry what do you think of Jesus Christ I believe that he's the son of God. Praise God. Praise God. And, and where do you, uh, do you attend church now? Um, not all the time, no. Well, I don't mean all, but if you do, are you, I mean, are you finding yourself spiritually fulfilled in the word and things like that? You know, I, like I say, I find faith in all things, whether it's a song. Um, I used to love um, On the Jericho Road, for example, or Morocco's uh, Ages. Yeah, I find that uh, many songs, whether it's uh, a country western or whatever, you can find good in all things. And I can be touched even by a simple thing of uh, uh, singing the pledge of uh, singing the national anthem. Mm -hmm. um, there's good if you look for it in all things. All right, my brother. Great call. Thanks for calling. Good that, bud. I appreciate it. Okay, Mike, bye-bye. We're going to Verna in West Jordan, first-time caller. Verna, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Verna. Hey, I just wanted to call in because I heard the woman that was talking about her husband getting discouraged because he has the heart surgeries, and they're still asking him to do things, and that's discouraging to him. Yeah. I just wanted to speak up and say that years ago, that's when the Lord started working in my life. Huh. I was strong LDS was doing every church job possible, and when I turned down a job and the way they treated me, from then on, that's when the Lord started working in my life. Right. So I really believe that he's working in that woman's life and in her husband's life. Praise and God. We all need to pray. All right. Pray for them and tell them to please keep watching you and keep, keep listening. Thanks so much, Verna. Great call. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, uh, to the LDS who are really trying to know the Lord Jesus Christ amidst everything else, don't take offense to this, but Mormonism is a club. Mormonism is a corporation. 
And uh, if you go into a job and the boss at the job says, hey, I would like you to start stacking these papers and bundling them, and you say, no, I don't really want to do that, pretty soon everybody there is looking down their nose at you as an employee. There's no difference in Mormonism. If you decide not to clean that bathroom, even though you're 79 and dying, uh, you're going to get the snickers and the looks, and uh, you, know, you won't be invited to the socials uh, with the green jello. So you're going to have trouble, you know? Uh, I love green jello. I eat green jello. All right, let's go to Jerry in Clearfield. Jerry, you're on Heart of the Matter. Jerry? Yes. How you doing? You're on the air. Yes. Yes, Jerry. You're on the air. I was born in the Mormon church. Okay. At age eight, I also had was rejecting what they were telling me. At age 14, I was in a Book of Mormon class. And I thought, this is the biggest bunch of hogwash I've ever heard in my life. At age 19, I went to a temple. And I walked out of the temple, and I said, if this is a God I'm supposed to worship, I don't want anything to do with him. Uh -huh. The thing was, I got pushed into two state missions, a foreign mission, because I kept my mouth shut. Yeah. I spent two years in Great Britain. Wow. And in 1967, the reorganized church told me, told me, showed me some history. And I was blown away. I went to Gerald Sander Tanner. They, I talked to them a little bit. Yeah. And I, uh, I walked out in 1967. I didn't get saved until 2005, and I was 65 years old. Wow. Wow. Well, praise God, you've been saved, and and that you know it's your type, Jerry. Your type. I, this is who we are calling to. They're out there. You're out there. I was one of them. My friends who leave, they are like them. The people who are sitting in this audience are like them. I mean, the, it's just how it is. And there's so many. And they're afraid of the unknown. And they don't believe that Jesus will really come in and make everything right. So I praise God for this testimony and story. Because there is hope and there is truth and light and love that will exist way outside of that corporate institution. Thanks so much, my brother. Yeah, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hey, if you're searching and questioning, we always say this and sometimes I forget, but go to utlm.org. That's Sandra Tanner's website. Gerald has passed, passed away. And uh, he, they have such a ministry. And they give you details and facts. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you hold on a minute? Thanks. Our operators must be busy. Uh, they will give you the facts about what is going on within Mormonism, and they have it researched, and they'll tell you. So, you know, don't just sit there. The eternities are too far. They're too long. They're too vast. They're endless. Don't just sit there. Get on and see. Make me wrong. Go and say Sean McCraney is a lying, bandana-wearing freak. I want to prove him wrong. UTLM.org. Do it. All right, let's go to Dee Dee in Springville. Dee Dee, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, you got to turn that TV off, Dee Dee. Hey, it's Jason. Jason, you're, how are you doing? You're on the air. You got me. You got the wrong guy. Hey, earlier you were talking to Mike from Saratoga. There was that weather thing that went off, and it was going beep, beep during his conversation. Oh, I didn't hear it. Yeah, I did, and it was funny, and I was thinking, what is this? The Danonites trying to come and attack or something, and they using um, satellite scramblers or something? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. 
the Danites, uh-oh. Hey, and another thing, I have another question. Um, on the Book of Mormon, right, you know how they have that, that uh, picture where it's Egyptian and they said they translated some of it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do. Those are the facsimiles in the Pearl of Great Price. Yeah, you should translate the rest or find somebody who can do it and then explain it and say, okay, this is what it really means. Yeah. Get somebody that, you know, you know, like an archaeologist from Egypt, they can tell you exactly what it all means. You know what, Jason? They've done that. There's a book called By His Own Hand Upon Papyrus that uh, they've gone in, and that book will blow your mind. It'll blow you right out the door. See, that's what, yeah, because they said in the end, oh, it'll never be translated. Whoever translated, that's okay. And I was like, this is the wrong translation. I want to hear the original translation yeah. of it. Yeah, check that out. Uh, buy his own hand upon papyrus. You can get it at utlm.org, and uh, order that book and read it. It's really good. And really quick here, you guys don't do the pastor in the pub no more at Denny's, huh? No, we don't do pastor in the pub at Denny's because it started losing uh, direction in a sense, and we really are trying to take the ministry in a in a in a different type of direction. But I you wanted know, you guys to come to Woods Cross Denny because I worked there, and I was like, oh, you guys, come down to this Denny's. To, <laughs> Well, someday maybe we will. Yeah, then that way I can entertain you because I'm, I'm, since I entertain everybody, you'll come, you'll have fun. You got it, brother. Okay. We'll have to set that up, Jason. All righty, I'll let you go. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. We're going to Paul in Orem. Paul, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello there. Hi, Paul. I uh, have I've read a book called God's Word: Final, Infallible, and Forever Great by book. Floyd McKelvin. Great book. I was just wondering if anybody else out there read it. But anyway, it is good. And it's kind of a three-part book, and it's got uh, one part. The first part talks mostly about the Bible and the truthfulness and the, and the ways to make sure that it is truthful and is the truth in the Word. Uh, many examples in there that shows it cannot be false. Yeah. And then it's, there's a second book called the, the Mormon Illusion. that talks about some of the things that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young taught. And like Joseph Smith even had a deal talking about how there's men on the moon and they're dressed like Quakers and they live to be a thousand years old. Yeah. And he, he made that as a revelation. Yeah. And, uh, just because he figured no one had ever walked on the moon. Right. Then there's a third book in it and it's got like 36, like, did you know? Like questions about did you know? And it's all about things that Mormons do like Brigham Young and Joe Smith, but one of the, one of the most interesting ones, well, one of the first ones that is interesting is, did you know that the only way to become a god is to have more than one wife? And that was by Brigham Young in the Journal of Discourses, volume 11, page 269, if you want to get specific. But anyway, that's one thing that if you didn't know, that's what you ought to know if you're... So audience, you got to hear that. Floyd McKelvin's... Uh... Uh, God's Word, what is it, title, Infallible? Final, Infallible, and Forever. Final, Fallible, and Forever. I've read it. It's excellent. Uh, and again, you can go to utlm.org for that book. You can go to any of the Christian bookstores uh, to pick that up, Lifeway, any of them, and they, I'm sure they'll carry it or you can special order it. So uh, great call. Thank you so much. I just got one more thing. What's Why that? don't they call the prophet of the Mormon church the prophet instead of the president? Christ was never a president. Yeah. Uh, well, he uh, became the president of the church when the church incorporated, and some people call him prophet. Most of the LDS in church call him the prophet. They refer to the prophet. And then in the press, it's often the president. So uh, I think there's the differentiation between the usage. Thanks so much.
Thank you. God, God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, uh, Denise, who I just talked about, it says, Denise from Boise, I married her, meaning I marry at home. I married her to Michael. Uh, here she is. Denise, you're on the air. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. It's good to hear your voice again. Yeah, good to hear yours. What's happening? Well, I just wanted to make a comment. Okay. Um, I just really wanted to say, if I had a show like this when I was coming away from Mormonism, I think it would have helped me, you know, more turn to Christ instead of turning to the world. Because huh. as a young person, I really thought I was the only one that felt like that. Like there was no place for me. Right. And that it was wrong. And and just to see others that have gone through it and hear callers that have gone through it um, and felt like I did makes me want to, you know, share my story and help others. And I'm just so grateful for your show and what you do. And I just wanted to say thank you. Hey, Denise, I want to thank you. It was Like I said to you and Michael, that was a highlight of my ministry. And uh, I, I came to see uh, what we were doing in real life with you guys. And you mean the world to me. I love you all so much, and I want to thank you for that. And I hope that you and Michael will continue to use all your gifts to reach those people up in Boise with the same message. Oh, for sure. We sure will. And if I've got another minute. Can I make a comment on something I saw on your show last week? You can. Um, I saw the pictures that you saw of the President Monson and um, Hinckley shaking uh, people in the government's hands with that secret handshake. Right. Uh, um, and I have definitely, you know, done a lot of research and uh, heard a lot about that kind of handshake. You know, I've seen the President do it to the Pope and many other higher-ups. I know it has to do with the Freemasons and the Illuminati and the Skull and Crossbones. And, yeah. and really in the upper levels, it's pretty um, satanic. Yeah. And so to see them using that with someone in the Mormon church just really puts them insight into, you know, maybe what they're really doing on those higher levels that they're not maybe telling people on the lower levels. And, um, you know, I'd be curious uh, to see the other side of that picture to see if they're reciprocating that same symbol back to them. It would be. And we never get that shot. Of course. I know. I want to get that shot. Hey, uh, Denise, thanks so much. Let's stay in touch. Yep. Okay. Bye. God bless. Bye-bye. A great call. Hey, what? The lines are full. There's no... Oh, we're short on operators tonight. All right, let's go to an email. Um, this is from someone named Jeff. I've discovered Mormonism to be completely fabricated. Uh, however, the Bible shows many fabrication as well. Why do you think so many Mormons become doubters and non-believers? Jesus was just a man. Joseph was just a man. Your methods of conversion help me see what Mormonism... That Mormonism is false, but similar confrontations help me see the Bible to be fictional. I have become an atheist. God is imaginary. Science is the answer. If you don't have any evidence to suggest the Bible is the Word of God, please respond. If you have any evidence to suggest the Bible is the Word of God, please respond. But don't ask me to trust you. Um, I don't want you to trust me, Jeff, uh, but we have mentioned a couple books. And uh, I, I would suggest that thing that we said at the beginning of the show and is very important that my friend RJR said, and that is James McDonald's God Wrote a Book. So before you reject it, uh, inspect that book. We spent two years in a school of ministry examining the book. We looked at all the criticisms, higher criticism, lower criticism about the book, the supposed contradictions, all the weaknesses. We're talking about a book that was put together over 1,500 years, 27 different authors at least, 
66 different books that coalesce and merge completely and totally with each other. 321 fulfilled prophecies. No other book of scripture from any religious uh, religious movement has ever had a book of prophecy, even one prophecy that's come true, except the interpretations from Nostradamus, and those are not that is not a religious text. We have a book that foretells the coming of Christ, and there's at least a hundred and something uh, principles that point to him from the Old Testament to show he is the Savior. You have been maligned, you have been hurt, you have been burned by religion. And so uh, I just want to tell you that the Bible is the Word of God. It is something God has given something you can stand on with certainty. Come to know him. Open that book. Research it. You might want to look at, what's that guy's name who was the cop? Lee Strobel. Uh, what's, what's the book? Uh, Evidence? Case for Christ. And what's the, is there another one? Evidence Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And there's a one and two that are put together for a, a really good price. Try those, Jeff, before you throw it out. And then if you read all those and you do some research about it and you're still convinced it's, it's bunk, well, you know, you have free choice. God gave that to you. All right, let's go to Rofi. Rofi in Ogden. Rofi. Yes. How are you? I like your name. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you. My sister calls me Rosie. Um, I want to thank you again for your ministry. It is really wonderful, and I enjoy it. I'm, I'm learning a lot about the Mormon people and loving them and praying for them. This man, Mike, that called in tonight, um, my heart just really goes out for him. I hope he's listening. Um, you know, he shared that there is some truth in the religions of the world, whether it be uh, Buddhism or whatever else right yes there may be some truth but jesus he came and he said i am the truth and if that man would really i came out of the catholic church and, and it was really hard coming from a sicilian family um it was it was like the big don't right don't do and if you get connected with Jesus, if this man and others like him do as you are sharing with the people, into his word, come to him, go to him, ask him to come in. Once the Holy Spirit comes to him, he will not li uh, live and go by feelings. He'll go by truth and understanding because right. that's what the Holy Spirit gives us. And so I say to him and others like him and Camille, don't give up. Uh, tribulation does come. The Lord said we would have tribulation, and it doesn't mean that he's always punishing us. And um, I just wanted to share that in uh, that with them, and thank you for your ministry. That's a great call. Thank you so much, Rofi. Bye-bye. <laughs> God bless. Bye-bye. You know, the Word of God says that Jesus is the truth. I am the truth, a capital T. It gives us two other places of truth. Uh, Jesus uh, commented, that God, thy, your Word is truth. So we have, we have Jesus is the truth, capital T. We have the Word as truth, capital T. And that's kind of a play on words because Jesus is both known as the Word, and then we're talking about the Word of God. And then there's another place where it talks that the Spirit reveals all truth. So we have the Word of God, we have Jesus himself, and we have the Spirit of God. Those three things are a great uh, trinity, so to speak, to use to discern truth. 
If you just take the spirit alone without Jesus and without the word, you get in all kinds of trouble. If you just take the word without the spirit, without Jesus, you have all kinds of education, but you don't know the truth from the spirit. If you take just Jesus and ignore his word and ignore the spirit, it fails too. But you take the three and you use those as your barometer for truth. You're going to be able to discern what truth is versus error. All right. So there's a, hopefully that will help you. We're going to Mary in Ogden. Mary, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Mary? You're looking real cool tonight. Yeah, I thought I would go on the cool mode tonight, reach out to my Vato friends in California. You know, <laughs> by the way, I want you to know, I, I wear these in California, and I have for at least 20 years. I know it looks funny, too, on TV and stuff, but uh, my kids are used to it. I go out all the time. Sometimes I cover my whole head. But I was wearing one of these uh, the other day, and uh, somebody walked by as I was sitting in a, a fast food place and said, nice, Pastor. And so I just thought I'd just show you that, yes, uh, pastors can do it, and someday Mormon bishops will be wearing these too. Okay, <laughs> so go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, you look real good anyway. You don't look Mormon. <laughs> yeah, don't look Mormon. Thanks, so, Mary. That is I want to ask you a question. Muslim people um, believe that if they die, if, they're, if they die, they go to heaven and they get 28 virgins, right? Who? Uh, Islam? Yeah. I don't know if it's 28, but I, I know they believe. 52 virgins? 72. Like that. 72. Yeah. How come the Mormons do that in life? <laughs> well, you know what is really interesting about that question? It actually plays into the ideology of Joseph. Joseph believed in bringing heaven on earth. He believed this should be what uh, uh, heaven is going to be like, and you live like it. That's why they build these kind of utopia-like societies, and they try to live what they think heaven is going to be like. So you go to their homes of the affluent LDS, and it's like a, a celestial kingdom as they view it, and they have all the wives, and they, have, and they really believe that. Joseph believed he was one of the only prophets, or so-called prophets, to try to bring heaven down on earth and create these utopian places that you would live. So it's really a good observation. They're, you know, they're, they're just insane. But shalom. That's a good um, observation, too. <laughs> Talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Now, this is a great name, and I, if it's real, we'll see. It's Lysurgis. Lysurgis from West Valley City. You're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, yeah. How you doing, Sean? Is it real? Is it really Lysurgis? That's my middle name. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's happening? So I just wondered... Uh, why you're blaming the Mormons for not being saved since it's the Trinity's fault because the Trinity's the one that picks out the people to be saved. Okay, Lysurgis, you're going to have to repeat that. I don't get it. Give me another, say it in other words because I'm a little slow tonight. This bandana's too tight. Right. Well, since the Trinity is the one that picks out the people to be saved, then why... Can you pin the blame on the Mormons for not being saved? Well, I think that what you've proposed here is a, is a kind of a straw man argument. You've built up this, this figure so that you can tear it back down by saying that the Trinity chooses who can be saved, which is a Calvinistic thought. God says he desires that all, A-L-L, -L, will come to him. And he calls and woos all. Did God say that or did the Trinity say that? Oh, well, does that, does that matter if it was the Trinity or if it was God that said that? I think they're one and the same. It does matter. Why? Because the uh, Trinity is made up 
of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, which are three persons of one undivided substance. Okay. Therefore, you can't describe uh, to, you, you can't pinpoint anybody in Scripture anywhere else as being God or Jesus or the Holy Ghost. All you can say is each one of them is the Trinity because the Trinity is undivided. You can't split them up into... You know what, Lysurgis? Doesn't the L and LSD stand for lysergic diatomaceous acid or something? I don't, do not follow what this thinking is at all. Well, okay, let's go to the time of Jesus Christ on earth. Now, you say that the Mormons aren't Christians because they believe in the wrong Jesus. Right. Okay, the, the Jesus of the evangelicals was uh, God incarnate. Okay. So, then that in, instance then, Jesus was God incarnate and not Jesus. You know what? We're, we're, right. we're going to have to do this through email or personal thing. I'm losing it. we got two callers waiting. i got to let you go, Lysurgis, but another time. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, we're going to try to take Don really quickly. Don, really quickly, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. It's Don again. Hey. Um, you know, when I left the church um, uh, last year, I, um, I never felt freer in my life. You know, it's, since I left the church last year, I had, I had to lie all my life, going to Temple Recommend interviews, lie, 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 you know, about, you know, Gordon B. Hinckley as a prophet and blah, 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 blah. Since I left the church, I don't have to lie. I feel <laughs> better now than I did when I was in the church. You become an honest man when you left Mormonism. That's awesome. Don, great call. I got to let you go. Okay, thanks. thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Hey, listen, mark your, your calendars. Mark your calendars now, all right? July 12th, Open Water Baptism in Logan. Go to the websites, www.bornagainmormon.com. It will give you information on where it is. Join us. There's going to be a party afterward. We'd love to see you. Monday, July 14th, we're going to be taping testimonies from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. here in the station, here at the studio. You can get directions on how to get there on the websites. And if you have questions, email me. We can give you that information. Uh, until then, uh, open up those Bibles. Get on your knees if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to take over your life, forgive your sins, become the sovereign Lord and King of your life, and he'll do it. Trust him, wait on him, and until that time, we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Break my rusty cage and run.